Welcome back to the Pride and Puck podcast. We are part of Hockey Hype Australia. This is part of the Hockey Hype Australia podcast network. You can find us at Pride Puck Pod on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, slash X. Um, this is season two, episode number 12 overall. We have got a bit of a new format here. We've we've gone to a YouTube uh, video that we'll post up on the YouTube um, with Pride and Puck podcast joining Hockey Hype Australia and coming under the podcast network umbrella. We've, we're running, obviously, our live streams that people will be aware of from Hockey Hype Australia, but now we get to record and put up, upload the, the episodes of Pride and Puck podcast. And I'm really excited about today's because we're going international for the very first time on Pride and Puck podcast. We've had expats on our show before that are now in Australia, Canadians and Americans, but we've actually got someone who lives over in Canada. Um, K.O. Laurie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be time traveling into the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is, uh, it's Saturday over there for you, isn't it? Yeah, Saturday afternoon uh, around four, four o'clock. Yep, yep. So I'm, I'm in summer at the moment and it's starting to heat up. We're, they're predicting um 30 plus degrees celsius over here i'm guessing it's not that i'm guessing it's not that warm for you <laughs> over no, there. Uh, but it's been a warm winter not much snow <laughs> um you're on the sunshine coast of british columbia um and it's a very a very small community how small is it that's a great question. Uh, I live in Garden Bay, which is the, the end of the Sunshine Coast, and my community is only about 350 people strong. <laughs> um, I think the entire coast is like, I don't know, 60,000 maybe. Um, it's small because you can only get here by boat. So we're attached to the mainland, um, but from Vancouver, you have to take a ferry across to get to us, or if you come from the island, you have to take a ferry across to get to us, so we're, we're double ferried. Um, I couldn't imagine that. I've never been in that situation where the only access is a ferry. How often? How often do they run? Uh, when they run on time, um, <laughs> uh, they run like you know from six a.m. until like eleven p.m. Seven days a week kind of deal. It's like every couple of hours they add extra ferries in the summer, but uh, it gets really tough to actually get a spot on one. They sell out lots. There's usually long waits. It's somewhat problematic but it's also like you know a part of what makes the coast special is that it's hard to get to and ko is a 39 year old trans non-binary queer canadian hockey player which is really cool and before we we came onto the show you're talking about spending endless amounts of summers playing street hockey and roller hockey in your neighborhood what was that like um growing up um playing hockey street hockey uh, I mean, it was great because it was mostly free <laughs> <laughs> all the time. And there was a lot of a lot of guys in the neighborhood and, and we would just uh, set up the nets and, you know, play in the street until there was a car. And um, then we got rollerblades, which made hockey a lot faster. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, was rollerblades rollerblading huge over there when you were growing up? Because it was massive here in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, it was really big, and then skateboarding kind of edged in, and then it wasn't cool to rollerblade, and I became a skateboarder. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
uh, of a clash, but um, but I'm a happy and proud skateboarder. So yeah, rollerblading is great because uh, you could do it year round. You know, you didn't have to worry about just getting ice time. So were you one of those rollerbladers that could drop into ramps and things like that? Because that's like my claim to fame when people talk about rollerblading or ice skating. And I'm like, oh, when I was a, like, when I was a teenager, I was so good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, sem, semi-embarrassingly, uh, there's some pictures of me jumping stairs and, you know, doing grabs and that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I mostly just stuck to, uh, to hockey and, and chasing the ice cream truck around the neighborhood. <laughs> and you mentioned to me you played one year of rep hockey as well. Um, what was that like? And did you feel like when you were growing up that it was something, playing hockey was something that you wanted to do as a career, potentially? I mean, I always wanted to play ice hockey, but uh, I came from a family that just wasn't able to put me in that direction. I was already doing every other sport and I have lots of siblings. Um, And so uh, and there wasn't any leagues. There were there there were no um, hockey for for girls when I was young. And uh, I got to play one year of roller hockey with guys. I had to get special permission to be able to go and. It was pretty wild being in a league that I was the only uh, guy, I was the only girl and I had to get changed in mop closets and uh, in bathroom stalls and I was never part of the change room. So I didn't really know anyone on the team except for when we were on the bench. Um, and I liked it because I got to play hockey, but I didn't really like the vibe. The, it, was, it was a different time then. Um, and you know, when you're the first of anything, it's, it's, uh, it can be challenging. And I was the first girl in that league. So I only did one year, um, with them. And then they started, uh, a, a, a female hockey league in my town and I went to tryouts. I, I didn't really ice skate other than like basic, you know, going in circles, public skates before that. Um, and I immediately was put on a rep team, which was cool. Um, and I got to travel around and play for that one year when I was 15. Um, and then, yeah, it was it was hard to access a lot of the games because it was rep. But I had uh, some cool coaches that would come and pick me up and bring me around. And that would have made it really hard, the situation with the change rooms, because it's so much of connecting with your team is like in those environments so not being able to have that connection and i suppose it also it'll it would affect your self-esteem i'm guessing as well um not being able to have that bond yeah i mean definitely when i got to play on the girls team it was different because i was included in everything um but the next year i came out and i think as a teenager you know sexuality and and gender is is tough everything as a teenager is amplified and and we didn't have the awareness or the vocabulary um, or the conversations that are happening now then. And so it made it challenging to navigate the change room. And I actually like stopped playing after that year because um, I just found it too uncomfortable. But I didn't recognize that that was why I stopped until I became an adult and was like, why did I stop playing hockey? Because honestly, like I would have loved to have continued with it and gone to university and played hockey. I think um, that would have been the path that I would have chosen had it been just maybe a little gentler. Yeah. There's so many people, we even get that over here, not with ice hockey, but just other sports as well, that 
kids stop playing at a certain time. Um, and it'd be for a lot of those reasons, especially a lot of queer kids as well mm -hmm. would find to get to a certain age within locker rooms and things like that, that they would stop, stop yeah. playing. Yeah. Um, you moved to the, you moved with your wife to the Sunshine Coast in 2021. Yeah. And it took, it took me by surprise when you said that you were surprised that there were two hockey rinks when you moved, because when people think about Canada, we just think that there's rinks everywhere. <laughs> That's somewhat accurate, but also uh, it's a pretty small community hockey rinks. I mean, they're old-ish, but they you know, don't have to take like carpeted stairs down into them or anything. Like they're they're legit rinks. And I just was really shocked that was um, that there was there was a women's league, um, and that there was a co-ed uh night and that there's um you know men's leagues that seem open because i play on some of them um that there was just a lot of hockey it it's it's really a hockey town and we just recently um got a, a junior team um the coastal tsunami that I, I guess are firing up in the next year and and so that's really exciting i think there's going to be a lot of changes on the coast um and it's going to just deepen as a hockey community and um, you're mentioning, well, you were, you've got the double T-H-E tournament as well, which, <laughs> yeah. which is how, how we've found each other. I'm trying to think of what it's called. Um, this hockey, this tournament has everything. Yeah. Yeah. Could you just explain to the listeners, because it's really cool, um, just watching your Instagram account and following it. I think it's, it's, it's a really cool tournament. Can you just sort of explain how that came about? Yeah, well, I mean, getting here and falling in love with hockey, I joined the um, Women's League and uh, they were chill and I got to play. There's four teams that rotate and I played on one and then also was just always available on call for all of the others. So I ended up playing on all four teams and just against each other. Like I do double headers so, you know, often. Um I had just moved to a new community and I didn't know anyone and uh, it was a great way to, to connect. And so I played an enormous amount of hockey the first year and just totally fell in love with it, but was realizing that like, I was the only one kind of of my kind in the locker room. <laughs> and I'm curious, there were more people like me, you know, more gender diverse folk um, who uh, yeah, also played hockey. And so I, I decided that I wanted to throw an event um, I, I didn't know how big it was going to grow. Um, and I wanted to in, invite people from all over and just create a space that for women, trans, non-binary players, that they can just come and play hockey. Cause ultimately that's, that's the goal. Right. And, and, um, yeah, I just wanted to be really inclusive and I set a date and I started researching inclusive hockey tournaments. And it turns out there's a couple already, which was really like magic. And I, I've been able to attend a couple of them. Um, and yeah, so this tournament has everything is in its second year. The second annual is in March and it's grown from four teams to six. But it's it's a giant leap in that this year we have players coming from all over Canada, the states, the island, the the city and locals. And then we had sponsors approach me and, you know, being like, hey, I want to be part of this. And I think that that sentiment re really like holds for 
for showing that the community is like open and that there's a need for creating this kind of space. You know, um, hockey is changing and it's it feels really good. And I'm glad to be part of it. So the, the ferry is going to get a fair workout with all these teams and people coming. Yeah, the welcome team will definitely, or the welcome uh, package that goes out around Valentine's Day will definitely have like, book your ferry in both letters. <laughs> but the tournament, uh, it's a draft tournament. And so instead of inviting teams, I'm just inviting players. And I think that's kind of part of the beauty is that you're getting people from all over that maybe feel like they haven't been able to access hockey for a long time or in a environment where they're not getting changed in broom closets and it's okay to feel safe and like open about who they are and their pronouns matter here and you know that kind of stuff like that goes a long way in creating camaraderie in a locker rooms and it transfers onto the ice right it's just a better game um yeah uh, it was one of the reasons I wanted to get you on in February because it was coming up in March. And if this podcast can do any little bit to help promote it, um, I'm glad. But when you when you started the tournament, how surprised were you when you when you were sort of you found people? Oh, there's people just like me. Oh, there's another person just like me who plays hockey over there. How surprising was it for you? I mean, representation matters. It, it's so so important. I I didn't know that there were so many players um, all over the world that have been feeling the same way that I have about hockey um, that have had similar experiences with change rooms. Like after stopping playing with the girls team when I was 15, I, I kind of came back to hockey a little bit in my twenties and it was always like a late night men's drop in and I would just be in my own change room. I would never know anyone. And it was, it wasn't about building community at all, but it was about cardio. I just got to get on the ice. I got to play and that kind of like satiated that need for hockey. But now that I've had better, now that I know what it feels like to be in a change room where you can connect and, and where, you, you know, the, the premise is uh, kindness and respect and just like, developing communication and vocabulary and having these conversations that maybe feel uncomfortable, but it's in an environment that is created to be safe and ultimately is, is just to play hockey. Um, yeah, that's really changed my experience for sure. And one of the things I laughed about as well, when you were telling me was the Seattle pride tournament, um, and the Western cup and you said that you, you followed them on newsletters and signed up to newsletters and then Seattle was reaching out looking for players. <laughs> I did laugh because you said you, you replied in all caps <laughs> just so just so they know. Um, and then they, they reached back out to you um, and you met amazing people. Can you just tell us about that experience as well? Yeah, so I was signed up for the newsletter for Seattle Pride uh, last year um, before the tournament had even happened. And I guess the Western Cup was coming up and the Seattle team was looking to send um, players over to play. And they were a couple short. So they sent out in the newsletter, uh, hey, anybody interested? And yeah, I responded in all caps. I was like, pick me, pick me, pick me. Um, and it was really cool because they did. And I got to go and it was my first time going to an inclusive tournament that wasn't one that I just conjured up um so it was cool to see something that's already existing and 
what it could be and what just different dynamics. I mean, every tournament's different in its own way, but it was really a spectacular experience. And I, yeah, now I'm, I'm doing a lot of them this year, this year, I'm Western cup, Seattle pride, and then I'm going to the Toronto pride and um, there's a Portland uh, inclusive tournament as well. So it's, it's growing. Um, I'm in school in April. Otherwise I'd probably be going to a, a couple more. <laughs> So when they when they seen your email with the all caps, they either could have thought this person is really excited or this person is really crazy. Yeah, I mean, I both, I guess. I'm crazy about hockey. It, it it feels medicinal, you know. It feels like uh, without it for so long, um, it yeah, it's like missing something that you don't know you're missing until you find it. And then you're like, oh my gosh, this feels so much better, you know? And yeah, I'm really looking forward to connecting with all of the people and the communities that surround each one of those tournaments is really special too, right? Uh, yeah, with your tournament and uh, going to to these other tournaments with Seattle Pride, et cetera, were there things that you walked away from those tournaments and thought, ah, okay, I can incorporate that into mine to make mine better? Oh, 100%. Um, you know, with Seattle, uh, they do this really cool thing where they um, they hand, uh, I think it's the most outstanding player award or the most outstanding player st stick. Um, and it's like a rainbow little mini hockey stick. And each team chooses someone on the opposite team after the game to present it to. And I just thought that that was such a cool way to, I don't know, celebrate players. Um and so that's what we're doing this year. Uh, I created a, an award called the the MIPs, the MIPS, and it, it stands for most inclusive player. But honestly, it could be most um, industrious player, the most um, uh, improved, inspirational, iconic, whatever. Uh, and uh, I got a local company to sponsor getting some um, custom pucks made. So we've got little pucks to present to to each team and every game. And I just think that that's cool, especially because a lot of people haven't been able to access hockey um, and therefore they haven't been able to participate in any kind of awards, um, you know, and it's not for, Hey, you scored the most goals. Here's your trophy or, you know, and I, I created the tournament in a way that there is no championship game. Um, I really wanted to shift focus out of like keep it competitive where every game is like a championship game because it's the only time they get to play that team and have that unique like experience on ice that dynamic um, but I didn't want it to be I didn't want to have a rivalry and I didn't want to like I don't think that that's I think that has its place in hockey but it, it doesn't uh, on that weekend yeah and I know that you've got sponsors and photographers as well. Are they a lot of queer people or people within community or are they people from the outside? Community, mostly, um, which is really spectacular. And I think that the tournament is a great way to showcase uh, local, um, you know, businesses uh, that have, and queer people that are thriving, that are, that are you know, able to show up to this tournament and be like, I want to participate and I want to, help facilitate any way I can. That feels really good. And that's really the point of it. I mean, hockey is the number one point, but the number, the second in line is like building community a hundred percent and 
moving somewhere where it felt almost impossible because like I said, I live in a village of 350 <laughs> residents, you know, I was like, it's pretty small, but, but it's been outstanding knowing that the tournament exists and hopefully inspirational to, you know, other queers or allies in small communities that you don't have to live in a massive metropolitan city in order to create space and find support in the community. And you mentioned that you fell out of love with hockey. Um, how has being involved in, I suppose, the queer side of hockey helped you um, fall in love with hockey again? It just makes it feel safe. It makes it feel like I don't have to, you know, pretend or be careful what I say or, um, you know, at the beginning of this season, I actually stopped playing um, hockey because I went and had top surgery. And so I've been off hockey for about four and a half months uh, recovering and I'm back on the ice as of a couple of weeks ago. And, and so it's been interesting navigating locker rooms in a new body. And I think that it's like really, um, it, it, it proves that, that the existence of the tournament is important because it exposes people not only to things that they're not used to, but also connects people to, to others who are similar to them. Um, and that, you know, I keep saying it, but ultimately we're there to play hockey. And so all of the, the politics of the world and all of the, the awkward conversations and nuances, I think um, it gives us a chance to kind of have those conversations and make those connections and have those experience, experiences so that it makes it more about hockey and less about, you know, all the other stuff. Because once you're on ice, it just, for me, it just feels like, everything else fades away, you know, and it'd be nice to start, start the game off like that in the change room, instead of just having to step on the ice and put helmets on <laughs> to do it. <laughs> I totally agree. I was with the Southern Lights uh, a couple of Fridays ago. Um, I was on the ice with them and having it skate around and you do everything just disappears and you're just out on the ice. I totally agree. What's the, what's the best part about, um, queer hockey slash double T H E. <laughs> the best part. Mm. I don't know. I'd like to think that people can show up as their most authentic self and therefore can make the deepest and closest connections. You know, uh, we do put a lot of armor and protection on to play the game, but I would like to think that if, if you're in a community that you already know that queer and, and gender diverse folk are welcome and encouraged, then you don't have to navigate all of the other stuff. And you can just be like, hey, I'm Ko. I'm a queer, trans, non-binary hockey player. Like, let's hang out. Yep. And what, what have you seen from other people um, whether or not they've just arrived at your tournament, haven't played hockey for years. What have you seen uh, from other queer people? I mean, I have a player who last year came as a spectator um, who's trans and who has wanted to play hockey their entire life, but it didn't feel like it was accessible. And they went and got all the gear and they started taking lessons. And this year they are playing their very first game ever. 
And it's like being told about stories like that is like quite special. And it is very motivating to continue to like work towards this inclusive change of hockey for sure. That is so awesome. I always think that if you can, if you can help one person when you're doing anything, I think you've done your job. And I'm guessing that you have helped a lot of people with this tournament as well. But just that story there, it's it's really powerful. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was an emotional read when I got the message because they were <laughs> they were very open with sharing that, and I was like, wow, that's that's big. And like, who knows who else? That's the thing is, you don't know who you're affecting or how, right? All you can do is show up and and try to to do the best that you can and and sometimes we're all gonna fumble with with vocabulary and and pronouns and and reading situations you know certain ways in the change room but i think as long as we try like that's all that really matters right yeah um what's your proudest moment that you've had um either within queer hockey as a whole, but with your tournament especially? I mean, with the tournament, getting getting that message from that player was, like, pretty spectacular. Just knowing that people are flying here is also, like, a bit mind-boggling. Um, that they're making this big effort to come such far distance to be part of something that was just an idea that I had and has grown into this really beautiful thing. Um, one of my proudest moments, I think, in queer hockey for myself was playing in um, Seattle Pride last year. I got chosen to play in the All-Star game, which they do on the, the Sunday. Um, and two players from every team, I think there were 16 teams last year, um, get chosen and then they go and they play in their, this big marquee game and they have a, a full brass band that plays in the stands <laughs> between puck drops <laughs> And, um, yeah, I don't know that, you know, they, they, they turn off the lights and they've got, they announce you, you come onto the ice and, and it just felt really, uh, special and a little surreal to be part of that for sure. Uh, I was just going to say, it's almost like a college experience, isn't it? With the brass band. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting my college experience. Um, do you think with so much going on with the NHL and whenever I see something to do with pride tape or jerseys and special nights in the NHL and I just shake my head because it seems so backwards, um, do you think grassroots level things, it could be even this podcast and your tournaments, do you think they're actually helping shift um, the culture from, from hockey, from grassroots to NHL? Definitely, 100%. I mean, we had they had NHL players at the Seattle tournament, which was really cool. Um, and I think pride tape is so, so powerful. Um, I, I always make the, that pride tape available in all of the, the locker rooms at the cha- at the tournament. If people feel like that's something that they want to do, um, it's definitely up to them, but pretty much everyone does. Uh, I think, I think it's just a really cool way to, yeah, to, to, to showcase that like you're you're queer or you're an ally or you like rainbows. I mean, all three work um, and, and are just as effective, you know? So you're quite busy. 
um, this year. So you've got Western Cup in Calgary, Toronto Pride Hockey Tournament, Dirty Birds Tourney in Portland, and of course you've had written here Seattle Pride. Is there a, is there an opportunity for you in the future to make a trip to Australia? It's and part and, of- and join and join queer hockey here. Yeah, it's it's on the horizon. I actually one of my best my best friends live there. Um, they used to live here. Tim and Becky, shout out. Uh, <laughs> they they moved back to Australia um, with baby Rivy and they're they're doing their thing over there. So I I've promised that I will come and visit soon. And when I do so, I'll make sure that it's during season because yeah, I would love the opportunity to to check out. It seems actually very strange to me to play hockey in Australia because I I traveled to Australia I lived there for a year right out of high school um you know I I did the thing I showed up I bought a surfboard and and a fire (laughs) staff and I just like in a tent and that was my life for a year and I and I was a a woofer um so I worked on on farms all all over I landed in Cairns went down the Gold Coast uh underneath over to Perth and and up to Darwin um so I I I tootled around and it's very hot everywhere. So it's kind of wild to think about, uh, about playing hockey in such a warm place, but yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. A lot of people say that it's hockey has been here for over a hundred years and people don't realize, and we have got two national leagues here and we get players from Canada everywhere. And even those players, they're surprised that hockey's here. So you, yeah. you're not alone, but you did, you did, um, you did survive, the crocodiles while you're here so that's a that's a good thing i did yeah yeah i uh, i got bit by a water python when i was there <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a good time <laughs> well it'd be good if you if you ever head down here it'd be good to catch up with you and then we won't have the the time lag and time difference <laughs> that we've got <laughs> over Absolutely. this i look forward to it andrew <laughs> uh before i let you go is there anything you want to plug um, obviously you got the tournament, but anything else that you want to plug or let the listeners know about? No, I think like, you know, all, all of the tournaments out there, there's so many, I encourage people to, to Google <laughs> what's going on in their community. Cause there might be something not too far away that they can participate in and connect with and maybe, you know, collaborate with. And, um, even just throwing the tournament here, I I've, wanted to reach out to all of these different businesses and, and sponsorships. And that's been really cool, but also like um, I've connected with the drag community here and I actually have some drag performers that are going to be doing live commentary of a couple of the marquee games um, <laughs> just for fun, because I wanted to include them and that's what we came up with. And I think that it's, it's going to be super cool, especially because a couple of them are like, I don't know anything about hockey. And I'm like, that's going to be so perfect. Here's a vocab list and a couple of rules and just run with it. So, you know, like um, many hands make quick work. And and I think that that just continues on building community now. It's like, oh, now this community wants to join and the Pride Society wants to get involved because we're doing a dance on the Saturday night. And, oh, you know, the the brewery wants to get involved because we're having a bar and like it's it's a really cool way to meet people in your community. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm very grateful. Yeah, I totally agree. Just through this podcast, um, I've met so many people within community that I went, wasn't able to connect with. I'm sort of similar to you. I live in a coastal town um, here that's quite small and isolated. 
So starting this podcast, I've met a lot of people and now looking to play hockey myself with the Southern Lights. So it's really cool how you can connect and it just snowballs from there. Mm. Um, where can they find you? Where can they find you or the, your tournament um, online, the socials? Um, just oh, let them know your handles. Uh, yeah, so it's the tournament with two T's for this <laughs> tournament has everything. Um, that's my Instagram thing. So at the tournament, I think is what it is. I might have to check. <laughs> the, <laughs> social media is new to me. It's uh, it's uh, I haven't been on social media in years. And then last year, I, I did the tournament kind of flying under the radar because I was nervous about how the community was going to take it. Um, and I wanted to protect the players. And uh, it was so abundantly obvious that the community wanted to celebrate the tournament. And uh, social media allowed the people to connect with photos and information and each other. And so I started the Instagram page and uh, yeah, it's, it's been kind of fun. I've been trying to figure out how to make all these reels and (laughs) 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 it's a, yeah, it's a different time, but hopefully it's cool. You can just add it on with the magic of podcast and (laughs) people can click. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love following the page. It's really cool. Um, I share as much as I can. Um, K.O. Laurie, thank you for coming on the podcast and the show. Um, the first international guest at Pride and Puck podcast has had, so you can you can put that on your resume uh, when, this podcast ta- when this podcast takes off. <laughs> I'll um, put caps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all caps. That's right. <laughs> uh, but thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you giving up your time. Um, I'll put some links and stuff in the podcast notes for your tournament and things like that as well so people can find it. Uh, But thank you for coming on. And when you're down under, I'll make sure that we catch up. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Andrew. And I really, really appreciate what you're you're making out there that is, is needed. Yeah, thank you very much. Have a great night. Bye. Bye.